From the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, this is Politically Georgia. I'm Greg Bluestein. Today, the House passed a measure of crossover day to limit the tax credit for filmmakers, new immigration restrictions in response to Lake and Riley's killing, and dozens of other measures. I'm Bill Nygut. The Senate approved a religious rights bill that critics say could lead to discrimination against LGBTQ Georgians, and they passed a measure establishing a new license plate bearing the slogan, America first. I'm Patricia Murphy. We'll give you an inside look at the buzzing halls and chambers of the Capitol as harried lawmakers completed their work on Crossover Day. Plus, it's Friday, our day for answering your questions from our listener mailbag, and we'll give you our choices for who's up and who's down. We invite you to follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Never miss an episode of Politically Georgia. Hey there, I'm Stephen Schumacher, president of Only in Cartersville, Bartow. Need a break from election season? Escape the hustle and bustle in Cartersville, Georgia, where you can start your day with a rejuvenating hike at Red Top Mountain State Park and wind down at Timberline Glamping's newest location at Pine Acres on Lake Alatoona. Looking for more fun by the water? Check out Terminus Wake Park or grab a kayak and paddle down the Etowah River. Don't forget to mark your calendars now for Barbecue and Bruce Fest in downtown Cartersville on April 20th. Unwind where relaxation meets adventure and create memories that can be made only in Cartersville, Bartow. When you prepare your Georgia income tax return, please consider adding a few dollars to Line 33 to support the Georgia Cancer Research Fund. Managed by Georgia Core. these funds go to researchers hard at work at Georgia's research institutions and medical schools, finding new ways to fight cancer. They're developing new treatments and new tools for diagnosis, all to save lives. It's easy to do. Just look for Line 33. More information is available at georgiacancerinfo.org. Guys, we made it to the end of the another week, the Georgia legislature, beginning of a new month. And Patricia, you and I, as well as a ton of our colleagues at WAB and AJC, had a very, very long night at the Capitol. You stayed to the bitter end, midnight-ish. I wow. stayed to the bitter end. Why, why are you so surprised? Well, <laughs> let's, let's remind our listeners, your bedtime... Uh, is usually well, a couple true. hours before. You do you do before. always hang in there at big political events. So that wasn't a, it was just that you usually go to bed eh, a little earlier About than midnight. About 8:45. So midnight was well <laughs> past my typical turn-in time, but I just love to be there to see what happens. It's so different than reading about it the next day even as well as we write about it. Um just to feel the um feel the emotion in the room, sense if there's frustration, if there's tribulation, you just can't tell that other than by being there. And you get a good sense of where the session is going from here. Quick follow up. What time did you wake up this morning? I, st- I slept until four. Okay. <laughs> four <I'm sorry. laughs> so does this mean we're going to all be sleepwalking through the show? Because I was up at three this morning trying to make sure I could finish my column and turn it over to editing uh, this morning at some point. So um I was up even earlier than you this morning, For once, Patricia, right? which you doesn't happen three, very right? often. I know. Well, welcome to the morning show. There's a reason I have a on. giant uh, Dunkin' Donuts coffee that I got on the way to dropping my kid off at Carpool this morning. So I am I am alive with energy That right now. doesn't look like a coffee. It looks like a coffee milkshake. It pretty much is. It pretty much is. <laughs> well, let's dive right into Crossover Day Fun because, Patricia, um, look, I've covered something like 20-something of these crossover days now, which is crazy to think about. And sometimes these these go on even past midnight. I've covered crossover days that have gone into 2 or 3 a.m. in the morning. This was one that ended around midnight. Um, 
there's a lot of action on the floor. The House, actually, I'm informed that the House passed 74 bills. That is a record, I'm told, by House officials for a crossover day. So an astounding number of bills made it through. There's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of debate. But it wasn't all fraught with political back and forth. There was a surprising amount of moments of levity. Yeah, and it's that's one of the most interesting parts about seeing those chambers in action is that there were um, very heated debates about specific issues, including religious liberty that we're going to get into and immigration that we're going to get into. And those were very real emotional um, conversations that those members were having. At the same time, somebody like Representative Rua Roman, who we've had on this show before, passed her first bill. It's a huge milestone for any member. The entire chamber gave her a standing ovation. They give everybody a wooden fish for some reason. I don't yeah, know why after bass, you get your first uh, bill passed. Maybe you caught one. I don't know what it means. And they're like, where's the fish? Where's the fish? You know, so people were really um, applauding her also at the same time. And, you know, that's really what makes those chambers able to continue to function. They they balance those moments of intense conflict with real moments of support for each other. So yeah, there, Bill, there's bipartisan moments of, of consensus and levity, but let's not forget, of course, there's politics involved. Everyone has one eye on Monday, which is the start of qualifying week, yeah. the Georgia legislature. They have another eye on the elections to come. And there was a lot of politics last night. Well, it, it seems to me that uh, one of the things that we saw in terms of some of the measures that passed uh, last night that we're going to get into, that w- politics is very much a part of what happened overnight. The last weeks of this legislative session now are going to be much more intensely about culture war issues than we thought early on in the session was going to happen. But it's not surprising, surprising given that this is, of course, an election year for all of them. Mm-hmm. And let's get right to that, Bill. I mean, culture wars. Immigration was not on the radar a few weeks ago. Uh, Governor Kemp, when he talked to Patricia and I earlier in February, we asked him point blank, hey, what about any sort of state level measures? Because he was keeping his aim at Joe Biden in the, in the White House and federal uh, federal officials. He said, no, not, you know, I don't I don't really see any anything on the state level. Well, that has changed with the tragic death of, of the slaying, the killing of Lake and Riley, the 22 year old nursing student who was found dead uh, uh, running uh, after going for a jog at University of Georgia's campus. And last night, Bill, Republicans in the Georgia House advanced legislation that target immigrants living in the U.S. without legal permission. Among the things that House Bill 1105 does, it would permit police to arrest with probable cause anyone who is suspected of being in the country illegally and detain them for deportation. One of the reasons why this is so controversial is that even law enforcement officials say that this would overburden already stretched then sheriff's departments and police departments and forced them to become agents of the federal government in a sense. Yeah, and by the way, we should probably point out that um, Lake and Riley's funeral is today a really, really sad day for family and friends, and we send our best wishes out to all of them. Um, both the immigration bills that passed, I, first of all, the bill which empowers local law enforcement to arrest people on the suspicion that they're undocumented is certainly going to get an immediate court challenge. I'm not sure how constitutional that really is, or is what constitutes probable cause in a case like that. Um, but I also think that the other immigration bill, we, we're learning from our colleagues that the um, uh, anger that is being uh, directed at, um, at uh, uh, Kelly Gertz, the mayor of Athens, Clark County, combined county um, and others, over the fact um, that um, Ibarra was 
uh, picked up at one point and released in New York. In New York, um, is it, it, he, we're now learning from our colleagues that he, in any jurisdiction, would have probably had the same thing happen. He was stopped for shoplifting in Athens mm-hmm. and released. And um, rip and and uh, the, the authorities are taking a lot of uh, grief over that. But the fact is, we're now learning that's probably the way it would have been handled in any jurisdiction, given the laws. Well, and these laws could really change that very yes. significantly. And uh, there are real teeth in this bill. If law enforcement uh, do not do as prescribed, they are at risk of losing uh, state and federal funding for their departments. I mean, that is a real real uh, change in policy and something that will absolutely uh, force sheriff's hands in many cases. Yeah. <clears throat> now, these are the same sheriffs who are um, dealing with a mental health crisis in the state who tell us that their jails are too full to deal with the mental health people that they're also called to pick up. So it is going to put a lot on sheriffs. It's also going to put a lot Um, And we heard this last night from members a lot on immigrant communities because there are legal immigrant communities. There are undocumented legal, uh, undocumented uh, immigrants. uh, There are households with both. But it uh, also really puts fear into those communities of reaching out to emergency personnel, even if you need it. Mm -hmm. And that is a real problem um, in these uh, towns where if. Maybe you need an ambulance. Maybe you need to call the police for something, and you're not going to if somebody in your own home is undocumented. Yeah, Bill, some of the pushback we heard from Democrats last night during the debate was, one, it would lead to more racial profiling, and two, going back to Patricia's point, Stacey Evans, who was a Democratic candidate for governor back in 2018, made the point that, hey, a couple years ago, Republicans were nonstop accusing Democrats of wanting to defund the police, even though there was no evidence they would. Well, this bill would require police mandates less funding for for law enforcement if they don't comply, if they don't coordinate with federal immigration authorities. Yeah. Um, I also want to point out, um, to pick up on something Patricia said, back in the day when I was at the Anti-Defamation League and did a great deal of work with um, FBI, uh, there were any number of FBI uh, agents, especially those who worked in community affairs, who were very concerned about um, restrictive laws that would would in fact target undocumented immigrants, have them held and picked up by by federal agents other than FBI, um, ICE, because FBI said we need to be able to talk to those communities. We need to hear intelligence from them if they know of something going on. There's one of them who is in fact a criminal, and this makes it harder to do that. And I suspect this bill, once passed into law, which I assume it will be, could create the same problem for local authorities. Patricia, the Republican counterpoint to all that, and I'm going to read you a quote from State Representative Houston Gaines, who is a Republican who represents Athens and has really gone to war with Athens local officials he believes are too permissive of, of, of immigrants who are unauthorized to be in the, in, the, in the country. He says, quote, fixing policy in the face of unspeakable, unspeakable tragedy is not politics that lawmakers, in a sense, were elected to go pass changes like this. Yeah, and you do have a situation at the southern border that is quite uh, unregulated and quite out of control, and that um, is starting to affect communities all over the country. And something that uh, Governor Kemp said before this happened was that every state is a border state. Um, at this point, uh, this he said this is the 
embodiment of that. Um, and uh, I would really recommend an article in the AJC about uh, the um, immigration status, particularly of Venezuelans. There mm-hmm. is a really um, significant difference in the way that uh, Venezuelan uh, undocumented migrants need to be treated because the United States does not have diplomatic relations with Venezuela and there's no way to return people who do need to be returned to Venezuela to do that. And it has um, really created a very unusual situation, but also something that uh, is quite uncontrolled at the southern border. That's why President uh, Trump was there. That's why President Biden was there. They were both there yesterday as these bills were being considered. And it was just a real display of the fact that this is both a national issue and a hyper-local issue and intensely emotional here in Georgia. And Donald Trump mentioned Lake and Riley's death. Well, he was in Eagle Pass, Texas at a campaign stop. So a reminder that, of course, this is factoring into the 2024 debate. I'm going to talk about another really dicey issue, Patricia. Um, We were both in the Senate as well last night when religious liberty legislation was passed Religious Freedom Restoration Act is the official title of the measure. Now, in 2016, this was perhaps the biggest debate under the Gold Dome. I mean, I remember reporting pretty much every day another boycott, another big CEO, another big business group saying that if Georgia passes this religious freedom bill, this we call it religious liberty, that it will irrevocably change Georgia's business climate. Uh, Governor Deal at the time vetoed it. And it's really been sort of on the back burner since then. Governor Kemp said during the campaign that he would sign legislation that mirrored the federal law. But there has been no real major attempt to pass it until now. It passed the Senate last night on a party line vote. It doesn't seem to have the same sort of um, energy and opposition behind it. That might be because critics are confident it will be held up in the Georgia House. But still, the fact that the Georgia Senate passed this legislation was... uh, a warning, I guess, to, to, to folks who were sleeping on this issue. Yeah, and it is so different from the time that Governor Deal vetoed that because the intensity of attention on that issue at that time, it was also, a, it was really a national issue. And this one feels like it has slipped a bit under the radar. It came up from uh, State Senator Ed Setzler, extremely conservative, um, very close with the religious community, religious conservatives. And um, but it did so after a very emotional debate. And these are the kinds of the debates that can really rupture relationships in uh, the General Assembly. Kim Jackson, who we've had on the show, a state senator who's an Episcopal priest, um, said, listen, if y'all pass this bill, you are you are issuing an invitation to discriminate against families like mine. She is gay. She and her partner have a three year old son. And she said this will be a license for adoption agencies not to adopt children out to uh, gay couples. Her partner is an imam, a Muslim imam. She said there are, there are so many different objections they could find within her own family. And she said, and uh, we have the sweetest, happiest three-year-old boy who only wanted a family and he has one now. And they they passed the bill anyway. Which is why when a Governor Kemp says, I will certainly sign any bill that mimics the language of the Federal Religious Freedom Restoration Act into law is um, flawed uh, because the federal law uh, uh, it also has in tandem with it civil rights protections. So you can, if you're a gay couple, you know, the classic example is going to the bakery mm-hmm. and saying, please make our wedding cake, and the baker saying, I won't do it, my religious principles 
uh, don't approve of gay marriage, you can go to court as a, a violation of your civil rights. Um, I mentioned on the show yesterday that Jeff Graham of Georgia Equality on our show uh, last week said he's all for a Religious Freedom Act, but it has to be accompanied by that. Georgia does not have a civil rights law that would offer those same protections to an LGBTQ family. And Bill, there's also a twist, because we've seen in some states that have passed these, these RIFRA laws that progressive groups have used the RIFRA laws, for instance, to support abortion rights, saying mm-hmm. that religion allowed abortion rights. So under RIFRA, that anti-abortion restrictions in some of these states uh, should be nullified. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. There also during the debate, um, Republicans said, well, this is the type of bill that would protect Muslims in their cultures. If there is discrimination mm-hmm. against Muslims, this would protect them from exercising that religion freely. And so it really did kind of twist that debate a little bit. Not twist it. It was a, an, an argument I had not heard before and is something that uh, if they're uh, making those promises, uh, maybe those religious groups will use it in the future. And the bottom line here is we haven't heard as much of the pushback to this legislation because the critics don't feel like they need to. They don't, if you look back at 2016, there was this big Georgia Prospers organization. I was writing, it felt like daily stories about new efforts to boycott Georgia, and there was a big drumbeat. This year we haven't seen that. And it's, I, th- I think, again, it's because there's a confidence that, the, who knows what will happen, but they have confidence that House Speaker John Burns and his allies will kind of grind it up. Yeah, and didn't the Metro Chamber come out against this bill? They did. The Metro okay. Chamber and the Georgia Chamber, it was featured in the PGAM newsletter okay. just the other day, um, issued a statement uh, you know, opposing it. So there's definitely the big business, the same alliances that, that opposed it eight years ago still oppose it. They're just not making as much noise. Well, and and this is why this is a perfect example of how the culture wars are going to have such a big impact on the rest of the of the session um, as Republicans, conservative Republicans, look to run for re-election in their districts. This is going to be a big issue for their conservative religious uh, 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 constituents. Yeah, there was a lot of red meat at crossover day. It wasn't just these two measures. And it went from significant pieces of legislation to some not so significant. We heard yesterday Senate Majority Leader Steve Gooch talk about the uh, the license plate. What was it? America First. America First. First. Uh, yep. And as expected, it was pushed through the Senate very rapidly. Um, and, you know, against a, a mid-democratic opposition saying basically you're putting a MAGA slogan on a on a state license plate, Patricia. Yeah, Josh McLaurin tried to introduce an amendment to change it from America first to Donald Trump first. He said, I just want you to just call it what it is. <laughs> In response, a Republican offered to name the bill after Josh McLaurin uh, if he was so hot to trot on uh, supporting the idea of having a Donald Trump first license plate. So it definitely devolved into the silly, kind of the silly season. Um, uh, it, was, it was a chunk of debate time, though. Yeah, I mean, they had so many bills. If I were a senator who did not have a bill considered, I might have been a little hot under the collar that they spent so much time on that. But it is also a reminder that, uh, particularly in those Senate seats, uh, these are conservative members who are more likely to have a conservative primary challenge uh, show up during qualifying next week than somebody, uh, any kind of a real general election challenge. So they're watching their right flanks a lot more than their center aisles. And that is um, one reason why legislation like this comes up. Another reason is that Steve Gooch just happens to really support Donald Trump. Right. Yeah. I, I kidded him uh, yesterday when he was on the show talking about the license plate. It reminds me, there was a big fight 
uh, between uh, conservatives and liberals back in the day in New Hampshire because their tag on the plate says, you know, live Live free or die, die, which liberals saw as uh, being offensive for many reasons, as being a strong kind of conservative message. They finally got over it. I'm not sure America First will uh, be settled quite so amicably as they finally did it in New Hampshire. Remember, of course, there's three or four more weeks left for these debates, for Sine Die, which is right around the corner. And just because a a measure uh, didn't make it through the finish line last night doesn't mean it's kaput for real, because if Republicans want something passed, they'll find a way to get it passed, they, they control the reins of the legislature. But let's talk about some of those measures, Patricia, that didn't make it to the finish line. Big one is um, a bill that required an opt-in from parents for children to take a sex education class. It was another effort to control how educators teach about gender and sex. That didn't reach a vote last night. It didn't. And I was a little bit surprised. That seemed like something that had uh, enough attention on it. Uh, and it was coming through the state Senate. So it seemed like that would have gotten through and that was something that by the end of the night we're like hey did that pass oh it didn't huh i wonder why we can do a little bit more reporting on that but to your point um these measures can always be offered as an amendment to an already passed uh piece of legislation there's also a way to strip out language of a of an already passed bill and replace it with something else totally different that's not against the rules so that's why we always say that crossover day is more just of a milestone than mm-hmm. a hard rule well, I was going to ask both of you a question about just that. I mean, considering that, again, Republicans are so concerned about gender issues, want so badly to be able to take them up and embrace them, I wonder how powerful is the uh, support for that measure, even if it didn't pass through last night? Is there going to be a lot of momentum to add it to a bill before day four? Or no, at 1130 p.m. <laughs> on day 40. Or even after that. <laughs> or after we've that. Seen, we've seen, we've right. seen Sunny Guy go way past midnight before. And is it going to have come back? You know, we haven't heard any legislative leaders say this is a top priority for them. And we haven't heard that from Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones or House Speaker John Burns or any other of the, of the sort of the, that top tier of Republicans who can force it. Um, but I would expect some of these other measures. Another measure that we've been closely watching, guys, has been the, the the measure that would have eliminated automatic voter registration. That didn't cross the finish line. I don't think it'll be tacked on to any other piece of legislation because even Governor Kemp has essentially already issued a veto threat. But there could be a lot more ele- election-related legislation that sneaks through in the next couple of weeks. It does feel like the election bills did not have a big punch yesterday, but it certainly feels like there's a lot of air left in those tires. That is an issue that continues to animate uh, Republican base voters in particular. And uh, as long as the the real requirement to have some of these legislative maneuvers, you just need to have a very powerful sponsor. It needs to be somebody with a lot of juice to say, listen, I need a favor and for somebody else to do that favor for them. And Bill, that's when the horse trading really starts too. There's already been a lot of behind-the-scenes maneuvering and negotiations, some that we've reported already. Um, one of the things that we've reported, and it's just been really interesting, is when we talk about the bill for to combat anti-Semitism, Ed Setzler, the Republican state senator, was long one of the biggest opponents within the state senate of that bill. He surprisingly voted for it earlier this year. I asked him, hey, I heard there's some talk about a trade for religious liberty legislation in exchange for your vote on this anti-Semitism bill. He said, Greg, no comment. Um, after a long pause, well, I don't know if there is a direct link, but certainly last night he was the sponsor of that religious liberty legislation that passed. 
it's not a shock <laughs> under the gold dome for a lot of a, a lot of maneuvering, a lot of negotiations like that. I'm not saying that actually happened because I don't have proof, but there's a lot of negotiations like that that happen under the gold dome. So this is a perfect example of how important it is that you, Patricia, Mark Nisi, Maya Prabhu, the others at the AJC who cover the Capitol, and for that matter, the reporters here at ABE who are down there all the time, what you learn by paying such close attention that you can see compromises like that um, uh, uh, happening. Um, and I, I'm always fascinated to hear what you've dug up, you all, on those things. That was the word on the street at the uh, snack bar downstairs, Greg. <laughs> I heard the exact same thing. at the snack yeah. bar, which is going to get a renovation, Patricia. Thankfully, of all things that need a re- renovation, it is that very... Very sad snack bar, which is actually just three vending machines. Well, one huge other issue that was a talk of a lot of debate and compromise that did not pass last night, of course, was Medicaid expansion. We reported a couple of weeks ago that the House leaders had signaled it was off the table, Patricia. Um, but there was you know, so much optimism from supporters from both parties. There's a significant number of Republicans who want to get that off the table. They just want to vote expand Medicaid, but they need some cover from leadership. And there, there was a thought it would happen this year. It did not pass last night. And it has very dim possibility of, uh, I, I wouldn't bet on it passing this year at all. Well, it's just such a complicated um, piece to move through. You were talking about really maneuvering inside the insurance industry, inside hospitals. You have to really think about the effects that that's going to have on the state. Although, uh, Democrats believe and Republicans believe it would be super, super positive for, for Georgians um, without that insurance. We were just talking about the behind-the-scenes negotiations. When we come back, we're going to give you a behind-the-curtain peek at how these bills get passed on crossover day. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Welcome back to Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. We've got a great offer for Politically Georgia listeners. And listen close, because this is the South's biggest deal. For a limited time, subscribe and you'll get digital access to the AJC for just $1.99 per week for life. Subscribe now by going to AJC.com start. That's AJC.com start. A great deal for a greater Atlanta. This is for new subscribers only. Okay, while we were covering Crossover Day, Patricia and I were joined by executive producer Shaney B. Brought our microphones to take you along and let you experience what it's like under the Gold Dome on this important legislative day. Let's take a listen. Okay, Patricia Murphy, we are here outside the Georgia House Chambers with Chairman Alan Powell, to talk about crossover day. Chairman, you've only had what, one or two of these under your belt? This would be 34. 34. So what advice, what for our listeners who have no idea what crossover day is, how do you best explain it? You know, the whole legislative process is kind of unexplainable with people that hadn't followed <laughs> government in its entirety. 
but crossover day is that last day for house bills to get out of the house and over into the senate and likewise so you know everybody's in a frantic pace to get their bills they've worked on and you know once it goes through the rules and you know we push a lot of bills i think we're gonna have like 80 bills on the calendar so we'll be here to midnight tonight and i will only tell you this is like walking into an unknown neighbor's yard and kicking his dog in the butt because you don't know what you're going to draw back a nub or a lick because so much of the bills that are passing through there they've been vetted by committee hopefully so we only hit the high points and hopefully that we do no harm so you're telling me you're voting on bills that you probably haven't even read well i have the advantage about being on the rules committee so I actually have looked at them. That's the reason my eyes are a little bit foggy right now. And I am actually watching my vulgar language about some of them. But, you know, as a whole, most of them are out there to do what's to do right. I keep reminding people, the reason that we convene on the second Monday of every January is to fix bills that are no longer applicable or things that got screwed up the year before. And that's what we do and try to do things that will benefit the people of Georgia. Now, what have you got going on on the floor today? You know, I'll have a, uh, I've got an election bill, chain of custody bill for election boxes. Now, I've already passed most of my agenda out of the house early. Oh, good for you. They were good for me. You know not to wait till crossover day. Well, it's, uh, when you have seniority, it does have its, its privileges. Is it a stressful night? Talk about the atmosphere, because right now we are in this third floor of the Georgia Capitol, there are hundreds of people around, mostly lobbyists, some some just regular folks, and of course a handful of lawmakers who are being um, surrounded at every turn, including by us. <laughs> every time you guys walk out the door, there are people waiting to talk to you. You know, that's what their capital is for, and the best lobbyists are the citizens, and those of you, you look around, I see a lot of private citizens, you see the hired lobbyists up here that are paid by those private citizens and businesses and such like that. So, you know, yeah, but we've got school kids, we've got everybody else, and that's the reason I tell folks, everybody's welcome to come up here. Matter of fact, I would encourage it. It does a good day's work to come up here and see how laws are made. It might, it might give them a lesson in what the importance of a citizen legislator is about because I've been fortunate in 34 years, and a lot of the newer ones that get elected ask me my philosophies about it. And my philosophy is you never forget who you represent. While I'm up here to do what's good for the state of Georgia, my first priorities go to my constituents that I represent and how laws are going to affect them. And secondly, call them back. In this day and time, so many of the young folks, they never return a phone call. They live off of texting and you know, I mean, I'm so antiquated. I do emails. I do text. But there's so many other venues about how constituents can contact you. And, you know, I don't know about these other venues. I have enough problems with three or four ways of people communicating to me. So I would tell folks, get to know your legislators. Get to know them on a first-name basis, and that doesn't mean ass. Call them by their name. And now tell us what you expect to come over from the Senate. And are those bills you think you'll, y'all will take up all of those or do y'all just pick and choose? You know, it goes back through the process. House bills go to the Senate, Senate bills go to the House, and then it goes there assigned to committee. At that point, that's when the real fun gets started. 
Uh, if it's germane, bills can be amended so that things that didn't pass in one chamber or the other can be added to other bills. That's when it gets to be real fun and real dicey. So now that we're at day 28 after today, let me tell you something. Every legislator needs to be even more on guard about what comes through. And you've got to depend on the committee process. I mean, if you've got committees that aren't fully vetting bills, that's when the dangerous part comes. Perfect. Well, thank you for joining well, us, Chairman you. Powell. Now you want my opinion of the Senate? No, <laughs> Get back in there and go vote again. All right, we're here with Nick Giuliano, a lobbyist down here at the state capitol. Nick, it's crossover day. What's on your agenda? It's a, it's a very busy day. Um, so as you all know, this is the date by which uh, bills that originate in one chamber must pass to the other or else they're theoretically dead. I would uh, stress the theoretically in that <laughs> because uh, once you get past crossover is the time when uh, lobbyists and lawmakers are looking for vehicles for bills. So those are uh, bills that open up the right code sections for items that may be otherwise stalled. Uh, and and uh, bills that are stalled can be inserted into those. So this is the day when we're going to see what goes from one to the other and what vehicles you need to be looking for. Okay, so what's your strategy? We see you, we see you here standing in the hallway right outside the House chamber. Are you trying to get in front of members? Are you getting intel from the floor? How does it work for you? It's a mix of both. And so for the House and Senate, since this is a radio show you can't really see, uh, there's what's called the rope line outside of the respective chambers. And that's where uh, lobbyists, members of the public, uh, really anybody can come up and talk to lawmakers who stand on one side of the rope while we're on the other. So uh, along the rope line, you can meet members to discuss things that uh, look like they're going to be up for debate today. So they're on the calendar, or maybe you're trying to get something added to the calendar. You can be discussing things like uh, uh, they're a little difficult, but people try called floor amendments. That's where something that's on the floor could be amended in maybe a different way than it came out of committee. And um, you know, on the other hand, it, most of us know generally who represents whom down here. So if you've got an issue opposite another group of lobbyists, you can kind of see who they're talking to. Okay, what time did you get here and what time are you going home? I got here at 7.55 and I will leave when they uh, adjourn. I'm very superstitious, uh, really only about uh, government affairs work. So I don't leave the building until we're done. That's probably a healthy superstition to keep going. Well, thank you so much. My pleasure. We're putting you on right now. We're here with State Representative Rui Roman about crossover day. We're giving our listeners a behind the scenes of what it's like to be in the middle of the hubbub that is this key internal legislative deadline. Um, and there's also some levity. There's a bingo game. Um, our colleague Maya Prabhu is doing a best dressed game. I can't remember if you're one of the finalists this Absolutely year. Absolutely not. You should be. You should be. What's it like as a lawmaker to be in the middle of this tempest? Yeah, it's um, incredible and very stressful because we're reading a ton of bills um, very quickly. And we, we don't know what's going to come out of rules in a little bit. We're actually on recess, so we might get some more bills. Originally, we started with 44 bills that we're going to be voting on. We expect that to double or triple by the end of the day. And so it gets really chaotic. Um, but it's always nice to have, like you said, some levity with some bingo games. I know the House gets one for the first time this year, which I'm very excited for. And I'm really hoping it incentivizes people to actually watch our legislative session because now they're following along for not just you know legislatively which is very important but also there's a fun reason for it now we see a lot of lobbyists here in the building are lobbyists approaching you are you getting lobbied and then also tell us about what happens on the house floor are other members lobbying you for your vote on their bills that are coming up 
yes to both. A lot of people are trying to make sure that, because it's the last opportunity for a bill to pass this year. If it doesn't cross over, it's not going to make it out this term at all because this is the second year of a two-year term, biennial. And so all of the lobbyists are coming down to talk to us. Um, I joke that we've also got some really cute lobbyists here today with school kids and stuff, so we get to hear from them. But even on the House floor as well, we do get a lot of um, colleagues that go to each other and they'll say, hey, can you explain your bill to me? Am I reading this correctly? Um, I'm so sorry, I'm going to have to oppose it. I'm speaking against it. I've had to do that a few times. And so it can get really overwhelming, but it's also really important to get all those perspectives. Well, Representative, thank you so much for joining us, taking yeah. some time out of a very busy day. Hopefully totally. you didn't miss any votes while you're talking to us. No, we're actually in recess right now. We're going to break for about an hour for lunch, go to the Rules Committee to get some more bills out of there and get right back into it. The life of a legislature. Thank you, Representative. It's so much fun. Thank you. We're here with State Representative Lauren Daniel, and we have to say also we're here with the VIP who has his very own name tag, Zane Daniel, who is Representative Daniel's baby, who has been with you every day on the House floor in a sling since the special session started. Yes, he's growing up here for sure. Uh, what his vocabulary turns out to be, we will find out. <laughs> <laughs> Could go either way. What's it like to be here? Well, A, to be here in general on a crazy frenetic crossover day, but B, to bring Zane with you. Yeah, so crossover day is going to be interesting because he was up the majority of the night. I'm running on oh, about no. three and a half, four hours of sleep today, and it will be a late day. So, But we're hopeful, and we'll just keep moving along. Hopefully he'll take a nap, and I probably won't have time to, but that's all right. <laughs> what is your number one priority, the, 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 you know, your biggest kind of dream for the end of the day? that it is peaceful. I hope today is peaceful. <laughs> Good luck at that one. Thank you, thank you. We're here with State Representative Syra Draper, Democrat from Atlanta. Tell us a little bit about today's crossover day. It's your second crossover day because you're a freshman. What is the mood among Democrats and what are you, what are you really keeping an eye on? Uh, the day started very early. I was here for a committee meeting um, at 7.30 in the morning. We are trying to move bills, um, and so we have a last chance of getting them over before it is too late. So I think there's an air of excitement. I think exhaustion is already sitting in, setting in, although it's <laughs> just about lunchtime. Um, but yeah, I think it's a, it's a day of possibility, right? Bills that we didn't think we're going to move could move, and then some bills that we expect to move won't. So all answered will be revealed at the end of the day. I like the, the optimism, the day of possibility, because for some day, for some lawmakers this is the day that dreams get crushed. For others, their bills get passed. You, we, we were here right here a year ago. This is your second year as a legislature, your first term. What do you think you've learned about the legislative process? What are the hard lessons you've taken about days like crossover day in the year since you've been here? I think you have to have your expectations in check, but you have to have that optimism to keep going. I mean, that is what I'm here to do, right? To keep pushing for the values that I think are important. Um, but, you know, I have two bills that are, you know, possibly uh, will be moved today. I'm hopeful they'll be moved. They're both bipartisan bills. They're both election bills, I think, that have support from folks all over the state. Um, so we'll see what happens with those. But um, I think you do have to be very strategic about what you put your efforts behind, especially when you're in the minority party. Tell us about what's not happening. So far, we have not seen uh, the movement we might have expected on Medicaid expansion. Um, we know that Atlanta Parent has introduced a bill to protect um, IVF rights and con contraception. Those types of things are not on the table. Yeah, so I mean, first of all, uh, it's a real shame. It's a real shame that Medicaid expansion doesn't seem to be happening this year. I mean, there are people who literally cannot wait, and this is a matter of life or death for them. 
Um, so it, it is just incredibly sad that we weren't able to move this through after years and years of considering the options. Um, that being said, you know, there are a lot of bills that fix a lot of things that are on the table for today. I think there is a desire to move many of those through. And if we start bringing forward those very controversial bills, we will get very bogged down in debate. Um, so will we see one or two of those controversial bills come to the floor? Perhaps. Um, but that will be done at the expense of moving good bills that have full House support forward. So we will see. As a Democratic member of the Georgia General Assembly, it's hard to get any of your priorities done. Talk about your strategy, even to get some more minor pieces of legislation done that you feel like aren't that controversial, but getting them through the, for the final finish. Look, I mean, one of my bills is a bill that would allow folks who have children who are three or younger to go to the front of the voting line. Uh, it has broad bipartisan support. It is, you know, really quite benign, right? Pro-family, pro-voter. Um, but I have folks on both sides of the aisle that like it. Um, but one I'm also uh, pushing is one that would protect our election workers. That has support by the association that represents the election workers across our state. And we have seen harassment and intimidation of our election works markedly increase in the last few years. So this is something we all desperately need, no matter whether you're in a blue state or a red state. And no, you know, we have swatting legislation that is moving on the Senate side, which to me suggests that state legislators feel that we need a ne we have a need to protect ourselves yeah. from harassment and intimidation. I just think it would be so hypocritical for us to move something like that forward and not extend the same kind of protections to our frontline democracy heroes. Um, so I'm 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 eager to see what happens with that bill. I think it is very much needed before the 2024 election cycle heats up. Um, I've heard there's interest. Let's let's see what happens. All right, Representative Draper, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. We're here with State Senator Sonia Halperin, Atlanta Democrat, and welcome to Crossover Day. I'm so glad to be here. <laughs> so tell us what the mood is like for Crossover Day. It's a huge flurry of activity. What's it like for you on the Senate floor? Oh, on the Senate floor, I think, you know, it's just uh, we're all anticipating, right? There's a lot of good bills. Many of us have bills that are on the rules calendar, so we hope that we get to them. We'd love to be able to present our bills. Of course, crossover day is the final day that you can get it into the next chamber, so you do have that kind of anticipation. And then there's um, lots of bills, tens and tens and tens of bills that we're looking at taking up. So some of the measures are good. Some of the measures from my standpoint aren't so good. And so, um, but I'd say on the floor, the mood has been really um, open. Nobody's stressed out yet. We're, we're early enough in Not the day. Yet. I yes. was going to say, we're let's, early enough in the day. Let's make a note. This is lunchtime before <laughs> one o'clock. That is exactly right. <laughs> but we're working through the bills um, pretty well, right? So far, the ones that we've taken up, with the exception of one, have not really been that controversial or that, and that, haven't taken up that much time on the floor. Okay, so even if you have a bill that's on the calendar, meaning it's up for consideration, there's no guarantee that it would get a vote today. That is right. So we'll get to a certain point of today uh, where all bills will end up on the table, and then we'll start to call them out one by one. So that's a reshuffling of the deck, if you want to put it that way. We've got a calendar in front of us with an order that we could expect to go in, but at some point we're going to change that order. All bets are off. Yes, all bets are off. And then you don't know if it will be called or not. So 
it's a wait and see game. Okay, what time did you get here this morning and what time do you expect to leave? So I got here this morning at nine, went into my caucus meeting and we gaveled in at 10. So maybe 10 p.m. this evening? <laughs> it's hard to know. Sometimes, I mean, you know, it's really hard to know, but I'm, I'm hunkering down for what will be a long day. I would be surprised if we get out of here too much before them. I think because it's crossover day and the, the hope to get through as many bills as you can really is something that's shared by everybody that will continue to be at the work later into the evening till we can get through really, truly as many bills as we can. Okay, I have one quick question to ask you about one bill, and you may not know that this is on the calendar. It's a bill to have an America First oh, yeah, we already, license plate. We already did that bill. How did that debate go? We'll have to go back and check okay. it. Okay, so that debate, it did not go very long, Okay, um, but but there was an amendment put okay. forward that was kind of a funny, um, and that was the amendment was to change it to Donald Trump first <laughs> instead of America First to replace America with Donald Trump. I recognize the uh, senator from the 14th, author of the amendment, speak to the measure. We did have a much longer amendment that had the words narcissism in it, and as you heard, because it bled through, we were going to dedicate the funds to the civil and criminal defense of presidential candidates. Uh, but, but I'm here for compromise today, and I want to get to yes. So we have narrowed the amendment down to a simple version that we think everybody in the chamber should be able to get behind, and that is making this bill what it's really about, Donald Trump first. And so the amendment did, in fact, get voted down, and the license plate to say America first did pass out of the Senate. Questions on the passage of the bill. All those in favor, vote yay. All opposed, nay. Secretary, line the machine. On the passage of the bill, the yeas are 34, the nays are 19. This bill, having received requisite constitutional majority, is therefore passed. Okay, we'll see how much progress it makes <laughs> in the House. But that is very typical crossover day material. Yes. <laughs> well, listen, thank you so much for your time. Of course, thank you. All right. Thank you. Bill Nygut, not everyone can be at the state legislature for 15 hours straight. <laughs> but we wanted to give our listeners a behind-the-scenes peek at what it was like in the frenzied day that was crossover it, day. It was great to hear what you all did. I did 19 crossover days um, as a reporter at uh, WSB-TV News. And you're right. You capture it's, – it's a very exciting adrenaline-fueled uh, day. I mean, sure, at, there are times during that day and night you start to get a little tired, but there's always the next bill that's about to be, you know, come up for a vote that keeps you going again. Um, I used to love being there like you were last night till the very last minute. And in our day, we all went out to a bar after the midnight crossover Manuals, day ended exactly. and would drink until 2 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> and, for, and Patricia, for reporters and for lawmakers, it's as much defense as offense because you're always on guard for what changes could be slipped into the bill late last minute, what new legislation could arise even though they say that it's a it's a, uh, it's a end-all, be-all deadline. Yeah, and it's a very good possibility that there are things in there that people don't know that they voted on and may not have wanted to vote on if they'd known that it was in there. Um, but that's what today is for. They're not in session today, so they can go ahead and dig in deep and see what just happened. All right, let's leave the conversation right there. It's important to note, if a bill did not make it through yesterday again, it'd still be attached to another bill to the last day of session, sunny die. That day is March 28th. When we come back, we'll answer your questions from the listener mailbag. 
This is Politically Georgia from the AJC. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Welcome back to Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Twice daily, delivered straight to your email, you can receive the AJC's Politically Georgia newsletter. Stay on top of all the important news, scoops, and exclusives from me and the rest of the AJC politics team. Just go to AJC.com slash newsletters and sign up today. AJC.com slash newsletters. Well, it is time to answer your questions from the listener mailbag. Oh, yeah. Which you can now call into. We have our 24-hour call-in hotline. Leave your question. We'll play it back and answer it during our Friday listener mailbag segment. That number is 404-526-2527. And our executive producer, Shaney B, has basically, Shaney, you've had a, you know, a, an entire team of interns just toiling over the questions we get every week. Oh, man. Oh, man. Th- those guys are getting overwhelmed. They're but, getting- you know, I don't want to discourage our audience, our listeners from submitting questions. We're going to put those interns to work, but woo. We got to give them something to do, Shaney B. And you've got, you gave them a, we have a couple great questions this week. So, what's in the mailbag? Well, let's start off with um, an email from Jan. Uh, Jan writes In following the news from Friday about Nathan Wade's cellular data being investigated and analyzed publicly, my first reaction was Isn't this an invasion of privacy? Well, that's a really great, really great question. That was obtained by subpoena. Um, by the defense attorneys who are looking to uh, implicate both Fannie Willis and Nathan Wade in having what they call an inappropriate romantic relationship um, and also trying to prove that they had lied about when that relationship began. So with these phone records, they say that they were able to prove uh, where Nathan Wade was. We also have seen some text messages that have come out since then as well um, through other reporting. But that is a decision that is made by the court to issue that subpoena. So uh, attorneys will say, I, this is the information I need. This is why I need it. And then that is the decision of the court. And then that's then returned through through that request. Yeah. And we want to point out that uh, Judge Scott McAfee uh, has a uh, scheduled final arguments mm-hmm. for the defense and the prosecution today uh, in terms of whether or not Fonnie Willis and Nathan Wade or either of them should be disqualified from uh, pursuing the election conspiracy case. And one of the things that's interesting about that in regard to these uh, text messages and the cell tower data is that this came after the initial hearing in which the defense and the prosecution talked to witnesses, presented their initial uh, evidence um, or arguments against the evidence that the defense said they had. So here's what it's possible could happen. McAfee probably won't rule from the bench today, but he could very easily next week say, you know, I'm not sure I got enough information based on what we heard in the initial t- uh, a day of day, two days of hearings, and now this uh, cell phone data comes along. We may need to have a separate hearing on that before I'm willing to make a ruling. At least that's what our uh, breakdown team thinks. Not not, not likely to mm-hmm. happen, but possibly could happen. 
I am of the opinion that we've had a lot of information about this yeah. affair yeah. and whether or not it was appropriate when it start when it not start. I feel like it's. I would love to get onto the yeah, actual facts. Yeah. Any case. delay is a so victory. is the breakdown team. Yeah, and any delay in this is, of course, a victory for Donald Trump, even if it's a week later. Uh, p- uh, producer Shani B, what else we got? All right, let's do one more. This comes from Laura. Can someone please explain to me why you and others on NPR in general do not push back on Republicans who consider Social Security an entitlement? It is not. You and I and most Americans have contributed to Social Security our entire working careers. Do not people look at the withholdings from their paychecks? Well, it is considered an entitlement, and that's, by the way, with a capital H. Social Security Administration and the federal government say that themselves. Um, what you're asking, it's a legitimate question because, yes, employers and individuals all, both contribute to the pot of money that you'll eventually get. It's called an entitlement because every American is entitled to receive Social Security benefits at a certain uh, point once they've met all the criteria. That's why it's called an entitlement. Okay. And that's all we have, the time we have for this week's uh, listener mailbag. Now it's time for one of our favorite segments of the week. Bill Daggett, who's up and who's down? As we do every Friday on Politically Georgia, we round out the show with our winners and losers for the week. Since we always... Yes? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt your introduction. No. Go for it. Um, I hate to say it, but Majority Leader Steve Gooch for his America First license plate. You know, that's just f- way too over-the-top political. And if he's going to get that, then I suggest we have one that we introduce that says, make sure you hear the podcast Politically Georgia every day. Patricia, <laughs> we, of course, always want to end on a high note. So who's your who's down first? Yeah, but who's down are those defense attorneys in the um Trump case, they have spent a lot of time trying to um, read text messages, uh, detail texts. Isn't this what you said over a text? That can also be called gossip. I don't Mm -hmm. think they really made the case that it's anything more than that. I'll piggyback on that. My who's down is Terrence Bradley, the former law partner of Nathan Wade, who's at the center of all these hearings. Text messages between him and Ashley Merchant reveal he was a willing witness in the defense attempt to disqualify Fannie Willis from prosecuting Donald Trump and his allies. But when he took the witness stand this week, he took a hostile approach and wound up really saying nothing. Now his credibility is under fire. Bill, who's your who's up for the week? Counterintuitive, my who's up is Mayor Kelly Gertz. He is under fire across the country and certainly here among many Georgia uh, political leaders and others in the community uh, because they feel he did not uh, protect Athens against this horrific killing uh, that took place there last week. But... Kelly Gertz withstood unbelievable pressure in that news conference he held, if people saw it, when people were standing and screaming at him, claiming he had blood on his hands. Whether you agree with him or not, he maintained his cool and he explained his position pretty articulately, uh, even in the face of all of that. So to, if nothing else, I give him credit for being able to do that. I'm not sure I could have done it. And Bill, he'll be a guest on our show in a couple of days. On t- yeah, on Tuesday. My who's up are the staff in the state capitol, the doorkeepers, the um, staff who work for those members, uh, the people who are working custodial hours late into the evening. I mean, that across every day, all of these days could not happen without that army of men and women who are there to support it. And they really did incredible work yesterday. Many of them stayed way past midnight and 
Uh, there, my who's up? Job well done. And I'll add the hard-edged pages. I meant uh, to add those pages. <laughs> including my daughter, who is a page on uh, Tuesday. So it wasn't quite as long of a day, but she was there till five-ish. So which is a pretty long day <laughs> for a her. a long day. My who's up for the week is Senate Minority Leader Gloria Butler, who is retiring oh, yes. after 26 years in office. We're going to have a lot more about her, but she was the first black woman to lead the Senate Democratic Caucus. And she's truly had an extraordinary journey through politics. Okay, that is about all the time we have for today's show, Bill. But we're going to see a lot more retirements in the next couple of weeks as qualifying begins and more of these lawmakers make public their intentions not to stand for another term. I, I want to give you two guys an extra shout out as well. Mm-hmm. You're my next who's up, uh, my second one. Your work yesterday, along with all of our colleagues at the AJC covering Crossover Day, was wonderful. I just can't tell you how much I appreciate it, the thanks. way you handled it all. Oh, You're thanks, Making Del. us blush. And our friends over at WAB as well, who yeah. are burning the midnight oil. Well, thanks so much for joining us. You can now hear Politically Georgia live weekday mornings at 10 on 90.1 WABE in Atlanta. Or follow Politically Georgia on your favorite podcast app and hear new episodes every afternoon. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review and share Politically Georgia with a friend. It would mean the world to us. Join us again Monday for Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word, AJC.com slash indictment newsletter.